flow. And flow for a musician or a ballet dancer or an artist painting or a sculptor. If you are accurate and precise in your work, but there's no flow, there's not a, mat, a little element of relaxation. So the human anatomy is not all muscles tense like a bodybuilding pose, for instance. Some muscles are tense, some are relaxed. You must be able to balance that so that there's an element of, of relaxation, an element of flow in there. And if you can't achieve that, uh, in my opinion, the viewer will see a stressed piece of art. Why would they buy that? And I'm not painting to sell, I'm not sculpting to sell. I'm just saying, why would someone want something which looked like a battle scene? Today I'm talking to the South African sculptor and painter, Johan Stein. Good morning, Johan. It's so great to meet you here on Zoom. Good morning, Petra. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I really feel honored for your invitation. It's a great pleasure. And where where are you based where the sun is shining so lovely through the window? Well, we have such nice weather here. I'm in Musenberg in, in Cape Town, South Africa. And we are blessed with a beautiful day. Wonderful. So it, you have a sometimes, lovely... Uh, sometimes they refer to the Cape of Storms, but you won't say it if you look at it today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a lovely view on the ocean. Yes, yeah, and I have a lovely view on part of Zanfle and then a part of the uh, False Bay area. Mm. But Johan, I saw I just oh, I saw you on Instagram, your lovely artwork, and um, tell me uh, how long have you been doing? How long have you been an artist and and been creating? I've been. Uh, very fortunate to grow up in a studio. Um, my father was Louis Stein. He was a well-known uh, batik artist. Uh, I grew up in the studio. Uh, it was a creative space. Uh, he was uh, a bit more than just an artist, uh, but he mainly did batik and, and a little bit of sculpture. And that, of course, had a tremendous uh, influence on me. Um, so I grew up in, in an art um, house. And then uh, later years, I uh, after school, we, uh, we had national service, which we did. I had two years of that. And then I joined the South African Mint uh, Company as an uh, apprentice in what they call dye sinking and engraving. It is uh, a trade where you design coins and medals uh, and you make the models of them uh, that scaled up. And then that is in, in, in clay and plaster of Paris. Uh, and then it goes through phases. Uh, we go up to a polyurethane model, which you put on a re reduction machine. Uh, and then <clears throat> there's a whole process uh, uh, to make tooling for coins. So I well, How amazing. Yeah, and now, yeah. now you've opened up a new door for me because I, I never thought of it. But yes, coins. It yes, is art, yeah. the, the artwork on the coins. I, I've never thought of that. Well, the, coin, the coin is technically a sculpture. The yeah. coin is nothing else than sculpture. I mean, jewelry. Is jewelry not sculpture? Yeah. Jewelry is sculpture. It's, it's, it's mm -hmm. a piece of art. People appreciate it. Uh, jewelry is in uh, the high value metals. Um, some coins, what they call um, numismatic coins, 
uh, and collector coins. They are all in uh, solder. And, I mean, everyone in the world knows the Krugerrand. Yeah. We, we used to make Krugerrands. We used to make um, various series of coins, Natura series. We had all sorts of series that commemorated a lot of things in, in the uh, vastness of South Africa. I mean, South Africa got such a variety of everything, whether it's birds, plants, animals, antelopes, cats. Um, you know, everything in South Africa, is, 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 there's so many of it. Um, so that was all commemorated in coins um, all to this day. So but I how, spent. How did you, but how did you? Where was the interest? Was it coincidental that you that you ended up making coins? Did you? Uh, well, study no, that's a good question. Yeah, what what the thing is that is that at that time I was young. I just came out of national service, and I felt I felt my art um, gift that I had. I I, I saw it. Uh, I thought by myself, it is in national interest. And I was thinking, where in the country can I um, serve uh, um, with my gift that will be in national interest? And one of the things that came up was coins or stamps or something where it becomes a public thing. Yeah. So in a way, also as a sculptor, um, I call it public art. Um, yeah. Because it's it's in everyone's pockets. It's in everyone's homes. It's it's that kind of thing that that that's where my mind went. Now, normally, um, so when I joined them, and I I saw a lot of sculptures by um, four coins by people like Kurt Steinberg and and people like that, who in the in the towards the end of their careers, they are, as sculptors were asked, don't you want to make something for the for the country? My world was the other way around. I I was basically nobody, um, and designed coins uh, for numismatic, you know, for, for collection coins and all that. As a youngster, I'm talking 23, 23 24 years old, and and, and and a bit further on. Um, so that was nice to be a professional sculptor um, at a young age in 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 a system. The unfortunate thing about it is that. You are kind of uh, hidden. You're not a public artist. You're not seen um, in the public spheres um, as an artist. Whereas if you go to countries like, say, Germany and Austria, a Gravermeister, Graviermeister is a is a is is a very prominent artist and well respected. Um, I, I was a Graviermeister in South Africa. It's kind of um, I won't say it's due to the education, but people don't know what it is um, uh, and, and don't see it necessarily. They don't know where to get that or where to put it. So um, I'm just mentioning this, how things are different in different countries. Um, yeah. Because when I finally later started my full-time art career, uh, it was kind of uh, on your CV, they would just want to see uh, where did you study art. But the irony was I grew up in a house with a lifetime coaching by a master artist. And then from there, I went to the Mint and I was exposed to a whole range of master craftsmen for 13 years. Um, so it, what, what better education would you want? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you're creating art at the national level um, that, you know, at each, and international level. Um, 
So, but you, um, you're talking yeah. about your dad and and this uh, this influence, and you, I mean, growing up, and you see this every day. So this is part of your life every day. I mean, what better schooling than than seeing that? Yeah, it's a day to day. It's a day yeah. you live it. You don't you don't go and get educated. You live it. You eat, sleep, and talk it all the time. And so that was the, you know, that, that's got a value. So, and that raised the quest, question even today, is it not better to send your child to an artist as an apprentice for two or three years rather than, I'm not, I'm not um, depreciating the value of, of uh, the, the formal education. Of course, yeah. it's got a value. But I also see a value in living the life with, some sort of an artist, whether a sculptor or printer or whoever you're talking about. So, yeah. But yeah, you said, but I've spoken recently to a few artists who'd say the same thing where they yeah. are self-taught, you know, and uh, didn't go through formal schooling. And it's like you say, mm. it's not that we dismiss that. And it's, but yeah. there has to be also this understanding that mm. it's not less valuable if you. If you mm. learn by doing, you know, if maybe you, yeah, that's yeah. your root. I, I won't call, yeah, I won't call mine self-taught. And and, mm. and, and there are, uh, although I don't down anyone who's self-taught, I, I believe whenever there's passion and interest, there will be progress <clears throat> because they will yeah. find the answers, whether where, wherever they're going to look, YouTube or whatever they're going to do to find the answer. But I see, I see um, an apprenticeship or living in someone's house or so uh, learning as intense training. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you, you pick up everything in the background. When you're in the university and you learn to paint, you don't, you don't learn about people um, that delivered the painting and never got paid. You, you don't learn those things. You learn it after university. After university, you're going to learn this in real life. Mm. The, all the, you know, real things that happen in life. Whereas when you when you uh, live with an artist, you learn everything at in one at once. So that that's just what I'm what I'm trying. To yeah, say. yeah. Um. So and that has got a value. I'm not saying it's more or less, it, but it's got a value. And and that that I'm thankful for. Um. Yeah. But so. Um, yeah, but you yeah. said your father did a boutique work. Yes. So um, my father. Was, hmm? No. Yeah. So my father was. Is that, was, the, uh, is that he, the batik work behind you? Is that the? Yeah, that is basically one. Um, this batik has got a very nice story. Mm. I could, I can never sell it because he he actually started it and I finished. So oh. for me, it's the symbolic yeah. handover. Mm. Um. So I am. Um, uh, this one is technically not my design, but it's signed by me, and it's the only one like this. And these are Naisna Luris from Naisna in, the, in South Africa. We had this, this indigenous mm -hmm. birth here. And that's a typical style of my father's. Um, so, um, so I'm thankful for that input. But Batik is um, mostly two-dimensional. Um, and, and the colors, in a way, sort itself out. You, uh, I'm, I'm saying it, it is, it is um, easier to create aesthetic color in batik than it is say in oil painting in oil painting you need to you need to gauge everything and analyze and do 
get it balanced and get your palette balanced. But with batik, because you go through your your colors that you dye, it is as if the colors sort themselves out. They, mm -hmm. they, they complement each other kind of automatic. That's uh, if you know what you're doing. Because I, I say it as if it's nothing, but I, I forget what I've learned. Mm. You know, that's the danger of, 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 of learning and living something. Is you take it as for granted, where someone who's showing an interest in batik and learning now, they go through all the struggles with the dyes and the waxes and the materials, um, which is, which is, a, which is a, it's, not, it's not so easy. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah so so the, now uh, you you from there. Um. So where did the sculpting, the interest in sculpting, start? Um. The sculpting has always been there. I've been inspired by him, um, seeing him making a few sculptures, and then he um went and uh, flow and flow. For a musician, for a ballet dancer, for an artist painting, for a sculptor, if you are accurate and precise in your work, but there's no flow, there's not a, mat, a little element of relaxation. So the human anatomy is not all muscles tense like the bodybuilding pose, for instance. Some muscles are tense, some are relaxed. You must be able to balance that so that there's an element of, of relaxation, an element of flow in there. And if you can't achieve that, uh, in my opinion, the viewer will see a stressed piece of art. Mm. Why would they buy that? And I'm not painting to sell, I'm not sculpting to sell. I'm just saying, why would someone want something which looked like a battle scene? You've, you've had all your frustration. Yeah. That is so true. I'm not saying you're not going to go through frustrations to get there. Make no mistake. You're not going to start sculpting today and have flow. Because if, if you start sculpting today and you have flow, I'm telling you, you it's an amoeba or something very jellyfish you made. You need to, it's like a dialogue. You need to balance the what is physically hard with what, what is physically soft. Um, but if you lose the flow, even, yeah. Flow also uh, communicates uh, confidence. Look, look at any athlete. Um, the, look at uh, Usain Bolt or someone running at that speed. He looks so relaxed. He, he looks as if he's doing it, doing nothing. The, the guys competing with him, you can see they're working very hard. It's a very big, distinctive difference. So. Um, that's what I'm saying. But we're talking now later, later things in, in, in art. But I think if everyone can, like myself, have a note in the studio saying, remember flow. Mm. How, how, how things go from one muscle to the next. Mm. How things go from A to B to mm. B to C. But that connection must be elegant, even if it's not correct. Mm. Go look at, no, I don't want to actually say this, but Go look at some of the famous sculptors. Their work, their works are not always that accurate, but the confidence they went. That's what we see, and that's what makes it wow, it's nice. But it's not accurate. I can point out in the, in the, in the I'm not that kind of artist who look 
for mistakes, but but they are seriously wrong in some things, but the confidence is there. That's the flow. I'm just saying. Yeah. And and this, maybe I'm, I'm on it because it's a new discovery for me, a new-ish discovery for me to, every time I stand back and I look at the work, I ask myself, is there enough flow? Mm-hmm. And then I can see where all the dead ends are, all the sucks. Um, um, you, you, the moment you, you try to, to put too much detail into an art piece, it they like a thousand little cool the sucks. It's dead ends. They 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 don't go anywhere. They don't lead the eye anywhere. Um, and what you want is uh, at an exhibition or somewhere where people go, is their eyes must just be led from one destination to the next because that is a journey. Yeah, but that that no goal gate. Yeah, but that's the <laughs> no, but that's the magic that we don't. Um, that we don't always realize that you look at something, you cannot pinpoint it, but it's something that the the artwork speaks to you. And that that could be what you're talking about now, the, you know, this flow that it makes you yeah. feel a certain way. And it's this lovely feeling that you get that makes you want to buy it or want to own it or want to see it. You know, yeah. that that tension is something that is is not attractive. Yes, yeah. Well, we know we're in, a, we're in a time where art is not necessarily a track. Mm. But I, I say no matter what you say, um, um, well, maybe it's challenges I have for myself. If I, if I look at any sculpture I make, I want you to kind of visualize the moment before and the moment after, unless it was intended to be an absolute static uh, Sculpture of someone waiting at the train stage, dead still with a book, boom, you, you want to freeze that moment. But most of the works I do has got to do with motion, someone moving or is about to move or has just moved. If, if, if I, I feel if I can create the image before and after the sculpture, and then I feel I've achieved something. This is something I, because it says more than just that, that moment. But now you you have uh, you sculpt animals and like you say humans and then um, angels as well. So yes. t- talk about the um, let's talk about the animals. Uh, yes. Do you mm-hmm. is there specific animals that you prefer and and do you go out into nature and observe them or how do you get to to that point where you start sculpting them? Okay, so I'm I'm from a lineage of conservationists. So my grandfather was a game ranger in Kruger Park many years ago. My father was, uh, although he was an artist, he was fish breeding, trout. He was a trout breeding uh, expert, and he was also quite involved in the Pretoria Aquarium uh, and the design of it and filter systems and all that. So I come from a lineage of of, of conservationists. So South African uh, fauna. Uh, animals is, is a big part of us, and being in a country with such a, a rich um, nature, animal, wildlife uh, population and spread of species, um, it is something which I feel is it's my country. It's, it's where we are. It's what we do. What we see quite often. Um, so that is partly uh, the reason I'm I'm going into. Wildlife. Um, 
what I do is, of course, you can't always get close to, say, a lion or something like that. But I do studies from whatever I can find. And I have a, a, a standing, um, how can I say, uh, opportunity to, to a post-mortem uh, of, oh. of, a, of a lion, which I, I'll have to respond to that on a short call to go and have a deeper insight into that because it's, it's something I want to study and know even better. Um, but yes, I think the whole, my interest in, in, in wildlife is not specifically just to make wildlife sculptures. Uh, where my interest is, is the relationship between the wildlife and us as humans. And that is how Minky was born. Uh, Minky uh, is a, a theme, one of the works that I do. And Minky was a girl in my grandfather, who I mentioned, who was a game warden. She was in his imagination. And every time he went on patrols, like for a week or two, and came back home, his children, which was now my father and his sister, they wanted to know, but what did you see, Daddy? And then he would say, no, but he saw Minky coming on the back of a lion. And Minky oh, told all these stories. So Minky on the back of the lion and stories Minky told. Uh, I have made sculptures for, and we had Minky and the sunbird. Um, so the theme was Minky and the sunbird. You give me goosebumps um, now with this story. Yeah, it's a nice story. I, I, can, yeah. tell, I can talk about Minky. Minky is uh, psychologically, I think, the girl, the, the girl I never had. The, the, the daughter I never okay. had. So she's my creation in a way. Mm-hmm. So Minky then um, came as a theme and, and with Art at Africa in the waterfront at the clock tower, we, um, we had a, a, an agreement and a collaboration. And between Art and Africa and myself, we are really doing what we can to push this Minky story into the world. Um, so our first exhibition was last year, October, um, uh, um, in 2022. Yeah, 2022, we had an, an opening uh, about Minky and the sunbird. And the sunbird is a symbol of hope. It's a malachite sunbird, actually. It's a, it's a bird that we have in South Africa, a beautiful bird. And Minky and the sunbird series was all about um, uh, more the low felt. It was, it was, uh, Minky and the lion, Minky and the pangolin, uh, and then the themes that go with like Minky and the pangolin. She sit up straight on on a she's crouching and holding the, the pangolin, and the theme is in the balance. So the theme actually addresses this pangolin's existence, but it's it's her and the pangolin, mm. and with the rhino, she's comforting a little rhino calf that's just lost his mother. Um, that's a sculpture, and it's called Orphans, because both of them are orphans. No one knew where Minky came from. No one knew who her parents are. She's just a, a human uh, living in nature, reminding us of things like you can go from earth warming, Amazing. global warming, to uh, marine, I'm coming to the marine now, or, or to pollution, to make us... Um, uh, thinking, a, we must think a bit more about these things. And the problem with with the format in which we receive things nowadays is either in a letter or some uh, scientific report or something. It is cold. Yeah. But Minky, Minky is the one 
agent who presents the problem to us visually in a way that she's going right into your heart. It's an arrow that goes into your heart and you look at her with her eye and you think, you know what, if we don't, if we're not careful, because you see a child and the child is a female, if you see a child that's a female, that is your hope for the future. If, if yeah. she can bear a child, she can take humanity forward. Mm-hmm. And if you don't um, look after her uh, her and the rhino, then there's going to be a problem for her. And, you know, so what we do is we, uh, um, uh, Minky is, is that agent. Now, once we had that exhibition, that exhibition did exceptionally well. Um, we really did well. Um, had a lot of support from overseas um, buyers and, and local buyers. It went very well. So because it went so well, we, we decided we're going to now go a bit further. I made a single piece uh, of Minky and the Eagle. Uh, Minky and the Eagle, it's a martial eagle. So what we have in South Africa is a martial eagle. It's our biggest eagle. Um, they take um, medium-sized impalas uh, easy. Um, really? Yeah, the wingspan. Yeah, it's an eagle with a wingspan of 2.7 meters. It's a huge bird. Um, wow. So yeah. I made one with Minky on the eagle's back, flying, transitioning or transcending, if you want to call that, from A to B. And then the B in this case is uh, Minky and the um, starfish which is a marine theme. Um, I'm currently, I've just finished the, the, the place for that. That is all in the foundry. So um, my daily routine is now up and down to the foundry to, to assist and, and check with them and make sure everything's going well. Um, and that, that exhibition is also now 9th uh, December in, in, in the waterfront in Cape Town. Um, and that is even a further um, step into a marine life, pollution, low warming. She's wow. that person where if you look at her, if you see her with the with those animals, and there's some um, some some very nice ones. Um, if you if you see her with those animals, you're just gonna go like, wow, you know, mm-hmm. we better look after the marine life. It's a it's another way of telling us look after your inheritance. Look after what we what we've got. Um, but how amazing that you that you thought of this. You know, it's not just your art that's so amazing, but ju- that you think of these concepts, that you think of these stories, and so this is you. It is contemporary. It is. I can't think of a more contemporary. Yeah. Topic. I can't think of a more contemporary. Um, agent, an image, uh, a child. And, you know, this can go on. I mean, she can eventually go overseas and have ice bears and snow owls and we can go there. She's so versatile and she can address so many things. Um, You know, we can go into uh, cultures. We can go into, you know, conflicts. Mm. I don't want to mention that, but we can go into conflicts as an agent saying, what are you doing, you know? So she's a, uh, she's, I, I see her as a reminder, as someone who reminds us, um, you know, think a bit um, before you buy a piece of plastic or throw yeah. away a piece of plastic or think a bit before you do this or that or, you know, that kind of um, thing. Um, 
Yeah, I would. Um, she's not. Um, she has not finally shown a value yet. She still, but she will bring it. I, I always say, you know, I want to. I want to mention something. We we as humans are so arrogant to think that our thoughts are our own. We never think that we have been chosen and trusted with the thought. Yeah. And I think she was, she chose me. I didn't choose. Mm-hmm. She came and said, make me, make me more visible, bring me more into this world. Because, um, and that's the way, I, I don't, I'm not egocentric to think about, I thought of her, or I thought of this. Yeah. Not, I, she came and reminded me. I, sh- I showed myself to your grandfather. I showed, I showed myself to your father. And now I'm showing myself to you. Please, let's, let's take the message. And, and, and in that sense, I see myself. That's what I said earlier. I see myself as a messenger, <clears throat> as an artist, but an artist with a message. And that's my only job. Um, I, I, I do the message, and, and the message then, um, whatever is in the universe that will support that, will support it because I do believe it's in the interest of the universe. Um, yeah. if I can put it that way. But this is also a, just an, a great example of how art uh, speaks, you know, and, and sends these messages and how important art is in our society to, um, mm-hmm. to change opinion, to, to speak to people on a different level. Like you say, you know, you can read uh, newspapers and you can read articles about and, and scientific articles about things, but the moment you present it through art, it touches on a much deeper level than yes. than these information sheets do. Yes, yes. Mm. She, she's the, the one that actually draw your eye and suck you into it. If you mm. then stand in front of the piece, there can be a little something written about it, and then you can, uh, that will lead you to the next uh, deeper reading, if, 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 mm. if, if you hear what I say. But, the, but the, you know, an image, you cannot destroy an image. If an image goes into your mind, it's there. The okay. next time you see something about, if you, if you saw her with a rhino, I'm telling you, uh, even for myself, even to this day, if I saw the rhino, I want to cry. And it's, mm. it's, it's as if I didn't make that piece. That piece happened, um, and if I see it, I still want to cry. It's it's a most emotional piece uh, that I think I've ever made, um, and it's such a reminder uh, because what you see there is not the killing of the mother rhino. You see the consequence. Yeah. You see mm-hmm. the need of that orphan that need now to be comforted, and now another species must look after that. Calf and and how does that impact on the calf's development to be a wild rhino? That that kind of yeah. that kind of thing. So so what I'm doing with the art is I'm, I'm pointing towards the consequence, mm-hmm. not the incident, because everyone who look at a, a photo full of blood with an animal, they they look away. They don't want to look at it, and that's yeah. the end of the that's communication. Mm-hmm. That communication ends right there. This looking at the consequence. Uh, there's a longer engagement, there's a realization, there's looking at her, the interaction between her and, and the golf. And it's it's aesthetic, it's there, it's, it does draw your eye in, 
the flow is there, everything is there. It's a lot of flow in that bit, but the the flow there is it it, it flows into emotions, and you really um uh, yeah, it, it really uh, makes you think. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's, and that's, art can make you think yeah. or think differently about something, preferably and, more positive. Oh, yeah, and con and and starting conversations about it because then, yes. like you say, then start thinking, okay, but this is the consequence, and then the conversation has a flow as well because it's it's there then yes. as you've seen. Yes. And then the other themes, there are other themes. It, it, it's not that just that. Um, there, there's there's a few with the uh, with, with the crocodile. Funny enough. Um, um, we're with, with turtles, uh, with uh, or terrapins. Um, there's there's a few other themes also um, related, and each of them have a deeper meaning. E each of them have a have a contemporary meaning, which is very much to this day. Um, so yeah, hopefully, um, uh, you know, it's, and that why well, I'm saying it like this is, uh, I'm I'm not. Only looking into wildlife um, as a subject, only to create a wildlife. To me, the subjects always return back to the, to the human. To it must it must come back to you. It's not just an animal there on a table. It is it is it, even if it even if I make just an animal, it, it somehow through the theme relates to us uh, back. Yeah. Um, but while you are working on these these sculptures, uh, your mind has to probably also think. Uh, you know, you have to think a lot. And and can you see that you also have a change in thought as this as you are working on it? So that because you know, if if you think of the consequence and and you working on that, is your mind going further? Um, you know what I mean? That um, that you um, yeah, also uh, uh, from the initial concept. Okay, this is yes. what I'm going to make. But then, as you're yes. working, then it it goes deeper and deeper into this the subject. Yes. I um okay. So what happens? It depends what I make. So if I, if I'm busy with wildlife um, themes, I feel very grounded. I feel very much here and part of here. Um and 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 um. As as I work, I get, uh, I'm, I'm getting more and more appreciative of how wonderful nature is. Because you just look at these forms and shapes, and if you have a deeper meaning, and sometimes I do extensive studies on on uh, something like the rosettes on a on a leopard skin. It's not just simply dots that you put in. I actually do a big study, and I discover things, which which then again relate to. Um, mathematics, uh, fractals, uh, uh, Fibonacci, um, mathematics—you see it in the in in the in nature, and I might go there and then come come back. So I think there is a lot of intellectual work in in my work. Um, but um, let me first mention the other three, and then I'm going to tell you something funny. Uh, funny, strange. Funny is not the right word. Strange is. When I do humans or any human-related work, I really feel it. Yeah, I feel uh, feelings of love, of, uh, really, uh, heart, being heartbroken. So you'll you'll hear me talk when I talk about me sculpting. I'll maybe talk more about feelings than what I would talk about mind. 
Um, and, I, and I'll tell you now why. <laughs> and then when, when I do angels, um, I feel like a, a really higher level creator. I start to have those kind of feelings. Now, what I've noticed is if I switch off the mind, it is as if the work gets better. And, and what I've done in the beginning, as I said earlier, I studied the anatomy and, okay, now the anatomy is there and the anatomy is now moving towards the back of the mind. And then you come forward with more the emotion and the message, the what you want there. And what I've noticed is the more I switch off my mind, the better the work becomes. And what I'm going to say now might sound bit crazy, but what I do is in the beginning, okay, I knew all the anatomy and did that, and then what I found was the more I take my mind out of the process, my eyes are telling my hands what to do without my mind. So my, my, my hands work, my eyes say fix, 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 and uh, do, 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 okay, that's going well. And the less I think, the better it goes, the better the flow gets. And then after a while, I discovered that my eyes are looking at what my hands are doing. And I realized I'm sitting in the back of the auditorium looking at what's going on in the stage. Wow. And then the last stage is when you wake up and you look at what happened. And you realize and you ask yourself the question, but did, did I do this? Really? Isn't it crazy? Mm. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. And that is the mm. bubble where I want to be. Because that place is a is the ultimate place of happiness. Mm. You are no one can hurt you there. You are so protected. And you are so in a happy space that you don't want to come out of there. It is like a drug. Mm. And that I have found the door to that, or the door. No, I didn't find the door because that sounds egocentric. The door was shown to me, and I went, and I did that without any form of drugs of any sorts. I'm totally positive, and so eventually it it became just that I must be present in the studio. I must be present. I must have clay in my hands, and that's all I need to do, and relax. And that's it. So it's totally no go. There's no, there's no, there's no thinking. There's no intellectual. The intellectual part you can do, as I said earlier, on the canvas. You can battle out yeah. the, the ratios and all those things and measure and paint and, and then get that part done. But that is the draftsman part. When it comes to the building, you you because remember your armature helps a lot. Right? Your armature that you make from your from your uh, drawings or from your paint, that helps a lot with your with your proportion. But after that, you must you must switch off because you you cannot in your own do as well as what you can do. Uh, well, I think some psychologists on the video might think this guy needs to go for for the checkup, but. Um, <laughs> I don't mind. I'm happy. <laughs> oh, I love it. Because, <laughs> yeah, because it's totally letting go. So you're just letting yeah. go and yeah. let the process yeah. take over. Yeah. Mm. I, can, I can maybe relate to something else. I used to be in archery. Uh, I used to be a high-level archery coach. And what we do in archery is, uh, you know, some of those arrows we shoot at 90 meters, and uh, it's no fancy um, fancy sights of any sorts. There's a sight, but it's not a fancy sight. 
I'm talking recurve artery. That means Olympic style artery. There are many other forms, which, which, which is also good. But what I mean by that is you train and train and train. And at some point, you better start trusting. And some of us have been working in studios uh, and, and we've gone to so many um, workshops and so many presentations by top level um, artists. And we still lack the confidence. And that I want to break because that was my job as the coach is I want to break your fears because you cannot, you cannot build confidence onto fear as a base. You must get rid of the doubts and the fears and then find a piece of rock and then build with your confidence and build on your confidence. Um, and I think what happened at some point where you truly believe you have put in enough effort and you've put in enough work and you've really done it as you think is right, you must start to trust that process and allow the process to run the, the exercise. And I think that is where, where you're going to see change. That is where you're going to see, but I, oof, I, didn't, I didn't expect this. How did this happen? And you get it. I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're painting uh, this, I don't think there's a single painting I've ever made where the painting didn't teach me something. You tried something with a specific color and you thought, yeah, this color is maybe not for this painting, but if I do such and such a painting, I, I, I must remember this and you make a note. And, 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 and the painting teach you. So I've always been in a position where I was listening to the canvas. What does the canvas tell me? We are always so one-directional. You know, you know what's, the, what's the definition of one-directional communication? What is it the definition of? It's, it's called intimidation. Intimidation is one-directional communication. So what I'm saying is allow the art to communicate back to you. Don't just enforce and start to trust the process. Um, and I think that, again, going back to the previous topic of flow, the moment you start to relax a little bit, there's a little bit more flow. You can't, everything is not a battle in life. It shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, uh, I know it feels like that uh, for artists, especially when they work hard and they must think about tax and all those kinds of things. It's a battle. But, but if it comes to, to performing the art, if you, have, if you have invested a lot of time and energy and money into what you're doing, I'm talking now to other artists. I'm trying to motivate other artists here. Yeah. Um, is if you um, if you've really done your best, just just go once and sit in front of a canvas and just relax and just trust. Just just go a bit uh, a bit a bit more relaxed and see what happens. I mean, you can always paint over it again. Yeah. Uh, I know it costs money to paint, but uh, but but that was my my attitude yeah. from the beginning. Is I can always paint again. I can always paint over it. Um, uh, it's not a train smash. Mm. Don't be so hard on yourself. Trust, trust the process. If it didn't work, don't don't whip yourself because it's a process. It's not you. Yeah, and it's see like, it like said, yeah, and like you said, you learn from everything, you know. And if we can see it like yeah. that, that. Uh, this was a learning curve or this was yeah. something that I learned something about. Yeah. But now, Johan, you, uh, if, if I just listen to you, I just think, uh, you know, here you are proving really that 
science, maths, and art is so interlinked and and so it's it's so much together, you know that that um, do, how do you see this as you know in in say for instance in education shouldn't we also you know focus more on art in schools and and in the education system yeah. because like you say you communicate through art and but using science and maths through that as well yes yeah um i am going to answer your your question with a with a question and that is uh, we as humans went and uh, categorized everything we, we put things in boxes. We say it's art, it's science, it's mathematics, it's nature. And we have split four things, which is uh, in my world one. In where I come from, art, science, maths, and nature is one. And I'm not saying it's, it's bad to break things up to, to make them easier to consume. But the mistake we make, is after we've been educated, in my opinion, after we've been educated in maths and science and art and nature, we have been conditioned, unfortunately, to, to maintain those things in three or four separate boxes. And I can add to those if there's more than that. And I think that's a pity. I think it's a very big pity because they are not divorced from each other at all. They are so integrated that maths can never exist without nature. And without science, and I can now mix my stories up as much as I can. Not, none of those things are divorced from each other at all. They're actually so interdependent. But through our education, we have compartmentalized it. So I'll, I'll give you a bit of, of a background on that. Um, I'm, uh, and, and I'll give you a bit of the origin, and this might also help some artists. Um, so I, I had dyslexia as a youngster, so I was dyslexic, and I had a problem with, with reading. Uh, I, I swapped around uh, I's and U's and B, smaller, uh, lowercase B's and B's, and, you know, P's and Q's, and you, you, you can call it all the variations. And, and that, of course, uh, had a great impact on your self-confidence as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, and because in the class, you can, you can barely read. It's not that you're stupid, but you can't read, and now because of that, you, you're being slightly marginalized, categorized, okay? But as life went on, I, <clears throat> I started managing that. So I was never a top-grade student. Um, I, I think I was more in school for the sport and the sports. Um, so I never did a proper, uh, like, a university thing. But as life went on, I became a, a later student and... Uh, more studying some managerial management courses and stuff like that. So apart from me being an apprentice and interested in the, techni in the technical bit. But as life went on, I started meandering into, um, into lasers and lasers, uh, laser systems and laser, it became laser physics and it became, and I became part of teams which have names like the quantum team and you know, we started doing work for the pebble bed model reactor and nuclear stuff. But I never had a degree of any sorts. But somehow I found, a, I won't call it a right of existence, but a use um, in these groups. Maybe 
maybe I was the joker in the pack or whatever. But it turned out uh, eventually I, I co-authored some science papers uh, with top scientists in South Africa. And, and I'm very thankful for those um, years that I had at the CSR. At the, the CSR in South Africa is our national research center. And I was in a group called the National Laser Center. And I did a lot of uh, very exciting work there. And the question is, in my core, I'm an, I'm, a, I'm an artist. How does it work that an artist can contribute to the field of science where there are, of course, other guys that are high in mathematics, in calculus, in programming, in all that, is there is a place, in my opinion, and I'm not just saying based on my own experience, but there's a huge place for artists or the influence of the artistic mind in science, in math, in that. Uh, and I come back to my first statement. As people categorized uh, art, science, mathematics, and nature, they've also categorized people as an artist and a scientist and a technologist. And we must be careful because I think there's a lot of cross-pollination uh, possible across the field. I, I would say um, I would say mathematicians must go go to art galleries, and I, and I want to say art artists must go to mathematician colloquia mm -hmm. and listen to what these guys are talking about, because it's amazing how the artists' mind work when they start to grasp a little bit of what people say, and they start to ask questions. Mm. And the reason I say that is, um, and, and this might, I must be careful, I must count my words, it's not that I was able to calculate certain answers. It was more I could see it. I am. Uh... I saw the answer. And if I see it, what I see, I believe. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, I think I followed things because um, I, I, I listened to the problem in the meeting, listened to things, and then I thought, mm, but isn't this a way? And then you start asking questions. And remember something, if you are the only one in a group who hasn't got the doctor doctor degree, you, you kind of, you're allowed to ask silly questions. They can't afford it. You can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> because, like when... uh, because everybody is everybody is afraid to ask a stupid question. No one asks yeah. it, and the whole bus stops. Well, okay, I'm, is... I'm just putting yeah. things out there. So, um, no, so but I, it's uh, like it's like when I speak <laughs> to musicians, I you yeah. know, I yeah, but, ask these silly yeah. questions, but but hey, I get nice answers back. You know, yeah. yeah. You, you see, if, if you're a top grade musician. And, and 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 you ask a silly question, and I ask you, where did you get your uh, music degree in Vienna? You're gonna <laughs> say like, <laughs> you're not gonna ask the question because you did it in a yeah. top grade university. Yeah. So you're yeah. all the go, you know. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just using that, and that that again with artists, true mm. artists, they're not afraid to make mistakes. Mm. I'm not afraid to make mistakes because I fell on my face so many times. I'm so good at getting up mm. that I'm not afraid to fall. Yeah. <laughs> I 
I'm with you on that one. <laughs> like I said to you before, in photography, yeah. Like I it's said, it's not to nice before, to fall, but yeah. yeah. No, but in photography, I'm like a cowboy, you know. So I don't, mm. I bend the rules very easily. So yeah. No, but yeah. that's that's so true. And and you know, I mean, just recently I spoke to a, a neuroscientist who is also a composer and a and a, oh. a conductor. And you know, when I saw that, I it it was like. Is this possible? And at neither that you're saying, so why isn't it possible? Because it's why do we uh, put these in categories? You know, that um, um, that nearest that nearest that neurosurgeon knows um, how to maintain and balance. Yeah, because it's balancing. He cannot perform at that level if it's not for, and he knows it. Yeah. That yeah. So. Yeah, sorry, you were saying? No, mm -hmm. but Johan, um, uh, no, I absolutely love your work and, and these stories around your work is so great. And But tell me, and, and you, well, you have mentioned uh, before what you, what you aim and, and what you still want to do, but what are the wishes for you for the future? I think uh, the main, um, the, my main aim is to, to have a situation where I can hear what the message is that that the world needs to hear, um, and if an if an artist tried to structure his life uh, to be in that position, then I think he he can, he can have a, a purpose in the sense that whatever he creates and brings into this world will influence the world. Hopefully for the better, because um, once the world has lost its imagination, it's it's a grey world. It's all grey. Um, so, um, and I think the art, and if I look at the art that people create, you look at it the way it makes you think differently about things. I think a lot of fantastic. Things people created and patented and all that came from them being stimulated to to rethink things and to recreate uh, or rethink their formulas and to to go better. And so, to answer that question, I would I would be happy if I can, as a an old man. Still get up in the morning, make my coffee, boil my two eggs, go sit, take a piece of clay, and just make something. And I'm too old to take it to the founder, and I find the founder in a second, collect the next one. Simple as that. Mm. If I can be that man, I'm happy. Mm. Simple. I don't, I don't mm. want the fancy cars. I don't need. Um, I don't need fancy things. I, I, I've, I've experienced so much in life. Um, Ranging from uh, many things, uh, I, I feel there's no other experiences that I still need. I, I just want to be a sculptor till I die, and I would like to, if if it's uh, allowed, to grow old. That's it. Amazing! Yeah. What a beautiful wish. Simple. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Simple. Well, just that you mentioned the two eggs in the morning. I'm with you on that one. I no, also, I'm, 
Yeah, I had my two eggs and that's it. And coffee and that's it. And then I work. And the coffee, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'm so, um, I wake up with such strong ideas that I boil the egg. Yeah. And then by two o'clock, I feel, ooh, I want lunch. And when I come up, I say, I never had my eggs. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, as simple as that. Yeah. yeah. No, it's um, uh, the eggs. What a, what a wonderful food that we, ca- that yes. we have is, is in the form of an egg. I just think it's perfect yeah. food, really. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, just uh, if I can yeah. mention something about the science also, um, there's something else I did which is also quite interesting is uh, in 2015, it was the year of light, and uh, we have a, 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 nas- a national uh, science and technology forum in South Africa, and they wanted to change their, their uh, trophy which they give to people to recognize them for work they did in science in South Africa. It's technically the Oscars for scientists in South Africa. Really? And then they approached this, the CSR to ask if the CSR can help and, and then uh, I was referred to and then I designed a trophy um, you can actually, if people want to Google, it's called uh, NSTF Awards 2015 there's a little video that starts with the Bushman. And um, uh, I also wrote the storyline for the movie. I didn't shoot the movie, but I wrote the storyline. And what we did, um, and it was the first in the world, it's we, as, now, as far as we know, um, we designed uh, the, the trophy. It was a big feather, and it, the feather played on <clears throat> two things. It's light. It's played on the word light, and it's a feather in your cap. And we also uh, made it, we 3D printed that directly in titanium. Wow. Now, at the time, um, 3D printing um, in advanced materials was quite a new thing. And we were apparently the first in the world who printed really? a batch of trophies in that scale. Um, and it's a yearly thing. So every year they, they mm-hmm. handed out to between 14 and 17 people who is now picked in the country and awarded and been given a, a recognition for their work in science. Um, and that's, again, just something I uh, uh, want to say is it's an artist, it's a sculptor, it's kind of a scientist, and it's a material, because I did it myself. I, I, I ran the machines in the beginning, the first ones that we made. I was a technologist at the National Laser Center at the time. Um, and it was so nice to be able to do your creative side in yes. your science world, which mm-hmm. I was very thankful. Um, and that was quite a, a, a nice one. If I, can, I was referred mm-hmm. to nice ones, a nice project. And, and I still do it. Uh, well, now every year I outsource every, uh, most of it. Some of the work I do here. Um, I have a little workshop. Lights and milling machines. It's part of what sculptors sculptors must be able to do. But um, that I outsource the printing because those machines are just in in the in the millions, not millions, tens and hundreds of millions of rands, massive fancy machine. But um, yeah, I'm just saying to add 
do science yeah. and art. I think we must we must try to bridge those boxes. We must try to cross pollinate them. I really think so. I think I think if you think of the word university, uni that uni is is a crossover. It is not you just go study your subject yeah. at the university. That doesn't mean uni. Mm. Uni is everything must cross over. Mm. Yeah. Now so I, I would I, love to promote that. Yeah. yeah. Promote absolutely. it. No, I, I absolutely agree, and I think it's it's time that the education system gets reviewed and you yeah. know look look at it in this way to give children the yeah. opportunity. And like you say, you know, um, every child and through art, you know, you have a voice through art, and yes. everybody has their story. So yeah, yes. but thank you so much, John. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. This, this was so great to talk to you and you. your input and um, your beautiful art. And, well, I hope you can one day come and do an exhibition in Vienna. How about that? Well, if you if you can uh, point me in the right direction, I'll be there. Yeah, that would be I great. actually do have quite a following on the, in, in Vorarlberg in the, uh, the other side of Austria. I've got really? Who, yeah. But not on the eastern side. Oh, okay, so we have to fix that one. <laughs> so if you can point me in the right direction, I yes. will gladly respond to that. I'm going, to, I'm going to because I would love to see your, your work here in, in Europe and, and in an exhibition. Please, yeah. Please and, I will. Yeah. And if uh, you come to Vienna, then we would definitely have to meet in person. That would be so great. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, thanks. I will. Yeah. Now I have a good reason to go. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Hope <laughs> you on. Have a lovely Thank day you. in the beautiful South time. Africa. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, you on. The wine, the wine is here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come yeah. and visit. Okay. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye.